Welcome back to my lovely IHP community. We have a special on this lovely day. And uh, I could have made it a table talk, but I'd rather do special enlightenment since it's about the enlightenment soul age group. And, you know, people who are in this soul age group, they care about their loved ones. Their limbic system is always activated to tend to people's emotional and mental well-being. But the emotions, the nonverbal, is actually what we immediately know and tend to with harmony and love. And there are no strings attached. The Enlightenment Soul Age person doesn't have a limbic system, that lovely amygdala only alerted for a one human being that is going to represent everything. And so everybody else doesn't matter or only your clan, so we don't have this uh, us versus them, because we actually have what is an integrated mind and a restorative or restoring body itself. But really, it's because we consciously are aware of love being, simply put, love. There are no measures. There is not how many times you talk, you don't talk. It's like an actual feeling that comes from your body without any strings attached because your social engagement system turns on and you make a conscious choice of choosing love. Unconditional, by the way. Some people don't. They choose conditions and fear. So my lovely new uh, Oracle deck, it's a Bellini one, or Belline, French, Belline. It actually has been very cute when I opened it. The first two cards that popped out, friendship, loyalty, uh, with love. And that's where, you know, friendship for the Enlightenment Soul Age group is love. That's why we're usually a polyamorous and a solo poly at that. And I'll read to you that one as well. But let me get my little cheat sheet for the deck. So it's friendship thoughts, friendly, relations, faithfulness. So, you know, people who stand together. And for love, it's, um, let's see, it's very cute, two hearts connected with a little wreath or wreath of flowers, of roses, beautiful roses, beautiful wreath. I think that's the right word, two. The two hearts, love, affection. And it was really cute to open it up and get these two because we have been talking about relationships since it's a very important time and we have our science and spirituality marrying and coming together and the 5D community of educators are out there spreading the word. In fact, we'll have more on that in our next topic, but not today. Today's talk or this topic is going to be about love and what friendship, which is where just our connections for an enlightenment soul age person is. So we don't pick and choose. We just love. We love people. And so, yeah, solo polyamory. It's an approach to polyamory that emphasizes personal agency. So enlightenment, so age group people, we are always having many loves. That's why polyamory. And we don't actually create any type of non-intimate relationship. You don't have to have a touching anything to, to be intimate. So we will know this very much at a young age. As a teenager, I definitely already had my own interests and my lovely teenage ex-boyfriend at the time was a boyfriend now, obviously a friend. Uh, he didn't do non-monogamy ethically, but it was okay because I'm a person who's not possessive since no person's my object and I'm not their object. So that's again, self-agency it's called. 
it's a very beautiful thing to have. Oh, and also the fact that partners want each other to be happy. So, you know, we can talk things out. Um, having more than one emotionally invested relationship, that's, yes, a constant. So this is where my lovely, again, teenage boyfriend, the first day we got together, I said, remember, I don't leave my friends behind. You don't have a special place just because you and I are now this item, whatever, you know, this is, which... I'm sure I didn't say it that way, but it was made very clear so much so that my regular listeners know the story of me being sat down by my entire family and having to choose who I would save if the world was coming to an end was the most annoying conversation ever. We love because we love so that people who are not in the Enlightenment Soul Age group, they choose. That's good for them. They probably shouldn't be looking into Enlightenment, by the way, or 5D for that matter. All these words of a lot of people that I've met throughout my years who talk to me about love and how people don't know how to love and they talk to me about how correct they are, how perfect they are in loving their friends and loved ones. Basically, you know, these lists of here's what I do for everyone and here's what they don't do for me. So a bunch of people who are their adaptive child selves who use the word love and they insist very much so that they actually are giving and caring. And so again, they have these lists that measure that's not love. And it's not an enlightenment so age you person. So I get it. It's not a integrated mind and a restorative embodied self. But really, it's a person who's consciously not choosing to understand what love is in a bigger picture. There are those who consciously choose it. And they do say, I only live for the one person. I will prioritize only my family. I appreciate that. That's honesty. What I don't appreciate is when people want to judge others, basically even humanity, and a lot of them talk about how much they always give, always, 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 always. So in my 43 years of life, I'd say that it's very fascinating. Like when I think of twin flames and birthdays, yes, my birthdays, chirp, 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 chirp. Uh, that one is cute very cute in fact uh, there's only one thing I'm happy that I have is Facebook because there's a handful of birthdays I can remember but I can't remember all of them but if you're establishing anything you know that is a strong bond you know you'd think that a special day like that you'd get to talk to each other and celebrate each other right so here's just one random example of why even here for a 5DC person in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group, you better bet that those twin flames uh, are on the same level of any other human being on the face of that planet and our planet because, you know, they all will lead with their own ego, which does not have a priority called emotions. Apparently, it's very hard to find people who know what love is. Apparently, they all think they do, though. And the story that brought me to do this Enlightenment special definitely has nothing to do with Twin Flames. They're equal to soulmates and any other oversoul member that is not yet in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group. Because the minute that you have conditions is the minute you're in another Soul Age Group. So you're not able to maintain the constant vibration of love in your body, which means you're only interested if there's value, which means people are an object. So we don't care to be an object, we don't care to be attached, and that's exactly why that's not really love, and it's not anything that really 
expands or diminishes. Love is, we love the different states of consciousness. So twin flames, soulmates, oversoul, they're all different states of consciousness. We don't actually hold a finger, even though we'll remember things. Okay, so here's where I've shared many times, I think, with my lovely listeners, that I'm a person who doesn't appreciate hypocrisy. But really, what I appreciate a lot, lot, a lot, lot less is when people, which is most people, they, they keep telling me they know what love is. And I keep seeing that they don't know what love is because love is selfless. So I'm going to give you the story because here's where it's a very sad, sad thing for a person like me and anyone who is in this connectedness with not because of a God. There is no God. There is uh, actually, I heard it from Sabine. I loved her, her video on her explaining uh, the big question. Let me go grab that one. It's in fact the big think uh, video before we move on. That way I can actually bring this one in because it was an important data point to share as well. Where is it? I shared on YouTube. So if you're a community member, is the human soul just a delusion? Do you think souls are real? And here's where she answers, in principle, what we are, so human beings and us, is just a big collection of elementary particles. Now, if you remember, the other physics lady talked about how, I think it is elementary particles. Shoot, where are my notes? Uh, where she says there's 11 dimensions in elementary physics Maybe that's what it was. So let me grab my notes. And that one is like, wow, that's so cool. So we keep getting closer and closer to what we've already known our entirety, the 5D person that is in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group, which is we're energy. Yay. And so that big oversoul, remember, twin flames, soulmates, all the oversoul, we're all big one, one big ball of energy. Particle physics. So elementary particles, that's what we're made of. And you know, what was even funnier was, were the comments that were below this video because the only people who are keeping science and spirituality separate are the people. And that's really it. Because when you find people who love, and actually I had a wonderful conversation with one of those people, uh, they're definitely a love person. Man, are they a love person. So they're beautiful. Um, but yeah, humans, regular day-to-day -day Joe and Joette people apparently need the competition or somehow they haven't come across the big think or the well because they have some awesome 5D educators. Man, I love them all. And so this person's writing about the ancients in the East understood it much better. You are not a human being having an experience in the universe. You are the universe having an experience in a human being. So this type of philosophy is why you got people thinking they know what love is and that they can go around telling other people how to do love. Yeah, so that's the, the hypocrisy that I'm talking about is basically something that I haven't met yet. A person who loves life more than I do. And it's not to compete. I'm just saying I personally haven't met one. I know that there are, there, there are plenty of people who love selflessly. I have no shadow of a doubt, but I have yet to meet them. Most of the time I meet people who love with conditions and that easily will turn their back, cancel, unfriend, block, do stuff like that, seriously, for, for things that are completely, completely interesting is the word I'm going to use. But 
lo and behold, let's not even bother with that equation because those ruptures, there's an indication of really, really being different in the way we believe in things and the way we will feel about things. Like for that to happen, there has to be a complete opposite, you know, and that happens. It happens because we're all different people. It's still sad because those of us who love without conditions, we are the ones who say we can agree to disagree and actually still have fun together because the beauty of differences is actually being able to exchange. But in order for that to happen, people have to have an empowered self and an independent, differentiated other. So they have to be able to not take things Personally, they need also not to have those lists of the morality codes, which going back to that hypocrisy, that's why I really don't say it because it's not hypocrisy. If you ask any people, and I've tried, I've asked, they all have conditions. So, I mean, it's what it is. And that's why, as I said, if I ever meet someone, I'll let you in on that. For now, I mean, I know Sadhguru is one person too, but he's a spirituality guru. Of course, he's unconditionally loving. So there's that. And I'm sure, actually, there's more than just Sadhguru, but I'm teasing a little bit. At the same time, I'm wondering, how many people do you know that selflessly love? Now, this doesn't mean that they put to the side their interests, by the way. I'm saying that they have the emotional well-being of people in the forefront. And, oh, believe me, I'm not saying that I am that perfect person either, because I'm pretty certain I've made things, done things that have hurt people's feelings, like my attachment style friend, which is part of the story right? So here's where I'm the bad guy in this case for my lovely friends. They're saying the same thing about not having other people out there that do what they do, right? So this is where don't, you know, we're not exempt. None of us are exempt from this. Oh, you didn't do something for me. Okay. And that's to make a point. The difference is taking ownership and not basically claiming, oh yeah, I can be perfect. I'll do everything. And I, I'm the perfect example of something, <laughs> This is what makes the other stuff hypocrisy. It's that nobody sees that you can actually hurt another person's feelings, whether it's by accident or on purpose. This is really something I was a teenager and I'm like still, again, like I don't understand. Uh, but hey, I'm not going to try understanding. What I do know and notice is the fact that if something is hurting your ego, and you're having an emotional reaction, then you've decided that another person or whatever is a bad or good. So this is where it's very clear how to be objective about these emotions and how they bring you to make statements and say shit that is untrue, by the way. You know, like this is where when Sadhguru says reality, get out of your heads, blah, blah, blah. But again, I don't want to go philosophy too much. So this other person makes another comment. I saw a video on YouTube a few years ago between two neuroscientists and they were discussing the idea that brains might just be filters that allow us to experience consciousness on an individual level. The same way our eyes are filters that allow us to experience reality. They argued reality doesn't cease to exist if you close your eyes or go blind. So perhaps consciousness is the same. Maybe it already exists as some fundamental property of the universe that we don't understand yet. People continue to want to try and give meaning to life when there does not have to be. Now, the part of there is that we don't need to understand. This is what Sabine is making very clear. We understand how you're made. We understand everything. We can't tell you in the absence of you breathing what happens, but we can tell you what you are. So the, it's 
an ever-ending question, not for good or bad. It just is. If you can become aware of it and you just allow yourself to be a human being, not some creator with this idea of a supernatural being, life is very much in your enlightenment soul age group here. And you don't have to go through loopholes, by the way, to get here. So the, the, the beauty of science and, and spirituality merging together I saw Sadhguru share a quote, and I shared that one too, which is on the lines of basically knowing about logic. He says, you can either live just logically or magically. The choice is yours. And then I also had this quote. This is Deb Dana, LCSW. If you are here but not here, if your body is here but you're not here, it can leave you vulnerable to more trauma. So they're looking at uh, strategies to help take a more targeted and nuanced approach with emerging trauma responses to become more effective in the ability to help people overcome unresolved trauma. And so we're going beyond the uh, ability to identify and work with uh, fight, flight, freeze. So beyond is attach, cry, collapse, submit, please, appease. Okay. So I want to specify again, none of us perfectly give to any person, because that's the whole part of only having the ability to tune a third of the time. But to be able and actually be a person who just loves to love. So I'm going to use the story. My attachment style friend, you all know the story. So I won't repeat it for you because I know you're tired a little bit of it. I know I, I am. But in these years of friendship, we've had our moments of the same debate that we had when it happened in December, where she's using the word tactic and she's using the word strategy. And basically then she says, I, I don't want us to be friends. And she changes even her Facebook post. So, you know, we don't have a 100% attunement, but we don't block, we don't unfriend. We, we know how to handle ourselves like grownups. So we recalibrate. And in that case, we recalibrated where I respected her requests and I didn't write her and I don't. Now that's changing a little bit but it's because she reached out to me, right? She's the one who gave me the green light again. So she's like, I miss you, which is very beautiful. In this, I miss you, I ask about her family and her parent, the last living parent, and she informs me that the last living parent has deceased. Now we have a common, more than one, but one common person who's a friend. And this decease happened the beginning of the month. So it's mid-month and I hadn't bothered writing her because I didn't know. And I get instead contacted in various occasions by this individual for what is definitely something that is in a state of suffering in regards to a one-on-one -on -one relationship. So these are the people who basically only live for another human being or somehow the idea of living life, uh, you know, here's the part of how I have never, since I was a teenager, and I to this day will never understand any human being who wants to tell me that they love, and they only actually love one person, or anyways, they're like ceaselessly ceasing, ceaselessly searching, or whatever. I mean, I get it because of the trauma experts and the mental health experts and all the people that keep saying about people, but I don't get it because it actually feels very, very much not like love which in fact, when you go and look at it and you understand the part about being able to move into 
a secure attachment type of body. So this is where the poly secure is something achievable for a person who's in the enlightenment soul age group because we don't love because we need to attach. We love because we love. And so even before I knew of my oversoul, all of my loved ones, they're still my loved ones. All my loved ones, I knew exactly who my loved ones were. And to this day, they're all a part of my oversoul, all of them. It's beautiful. The saddest part is knowing that there are people that actually make choices and that this is the one lifetime that will know our names in this way. And that's it. There's actually some that I know they will not be in my next lifetime, for example. I have no shadow of a doubt about it. And so this is very sad. But it is what it is. Because some people, as I was saying, their actual love is not a love that is in the absence of attachment or conditions. They love based on, I want to be seen, soothed, heard, accepted, and only with who I say so, as I say so. Oh, and no vulnerability, no authenticity, no transparency, because if you don't know about your charge states or your implicit memory stuff or your unresolved trauma stuff and or anything that comes out of that attachment, uh, excuse me, the adaptive child, so harsh, unforgiving, doesn't learn new skills, the one who's going to want to basically manipulate the situation, have control, they're going to want to be right. Then if they're not right and they can't control it, then they're going to twist things around and they're the victim or you're the asshole and you become the mean person and then they're going to withdraw and hide away and never, you know, basically take ownership. And this is that shame cycle. So this is even more sad. And you got people locked up in what is a horrible, horrible, not very funny at all. This is all very sad. All very sad. All, by the way, resolvable with good somatic therapy, FYI. Good somatic therapist. Oh, I love them. I love that they're out there. So the story is the beginning of May, my lovely friend's parent dies and I get contacted at least twice for what is basically, simply put, relationship stuff. Oh yes, I get called for consultation since I am a channeler and a tarot reader. And so this is a person who's in this 4D plane, knows about twin flames, soulmates, karma, loves using all of these lovely words, and they're a battler for light, of course. So of course they're on the side of light and everybody else is on the side of darkness. And I'm being exaggerated now, but the point is that even when it comes to the same person that we are connected, they have things to say about the person's behavior. We're all, again, imperfect. We all have an adaptive child. None of us will ever be attuned 200% to anyone. My point is that had I been informed, I would have immediately, independently from what my friend told me, not that she didn't want me, I would have written them Because in this case, obviously, it wasn't, don't write me. It was more of a disagreement. So I take steps back because there are people that have told me not to write them and I don't because I will respect that. So in those cases, when I've been told to leave it and don't speak to me, I won't disrespect that. And and this is a different um, approach. It's not because I wouldn't want to, but if you're that direct of how much I'm bothered, then I have to remain silent. And so that's where... In that case, I would consider it something to respect, although that doesn't mean that I wouldn't wonder and that I wouldn't want to write. Because here's where actually 
I would wonder and I would want to write. I would just choose to disengage because of being told specifically not to reach out or connect. And, you know, this is, again, something very clear. It's, it's not brain science when somebody tells you they don't want to hear from you. So the part that gets me when it comes to people and their suffering is the part that they want to keep putting themselves on this pedestal as if they give more love than other people. This is the hypocrisy. If you give more love than other people, then you would be able to nurture more people. That's what it is to be in, compassion, in a compassionate space. And even if you don't, like let's say, as I said, the example, people who have told me, don't write me, I don't want you in my life, I will always, no matter what, that's the it. It's done. It's, it's, it's something that's specified. Makes me think of uh, Home Alone because when he talks to the old man and he says, oh, but what if my son doesn't want to talk to me? But they got into a fight. So this is, again, these are all different. There are those who make it clear they don't want to hear from you. So if you disrespect it, that's something egoic. And in this case, it's Again, purely put, in my heart of hearts, I can tell you that I don't like that because I would want to say, I'm sorry for your loss. With somebody that I know their loved one died, I would want to say it. But because society and most people don't love just to love, so they, they keep things wrapped around their fingers, they grow up and they don't really grow up. These are all these equations. And here's where they don't actually feel sadness because they stay in this thing called separation consciousness, which is really just people being jerkwads. If you ask me, they're being jerkwads, and it isn't the devil. They're just being idiots, pure, simply put. Life is the shortest thing that you will ever have, and you will not be the same name. And it doesn't matter if you reincarnate, which I try telling my 40 friends. <laughs> you want to go to the stars, you do realize you won't be yourself, right? Like, <laughs> you don't, you know that, right? Oh, no, you don't? Okay, I, I have seen my past. I have seen my future. It won't be Maria, <laughs> and I won't remember this. So it's going to be bullshit, meaning I won't be able to cherish what I, what I, what I have now the same. It's just straightforward. So... The story is to say love is not based on conditions. I know society and people all around that are not in the Enlightenment Soul Age group want to think so, but it really is just a beautiful feeling. And when you do experience it, by the way, with no strings attached, I have never been heartbroken in a way that other people have because it's really something egoic to be heartbroken and it's personal in the sense of you get to grow up from it because it means that you and another person had basically not a match so again there's not attunement enlightenment so age person is a grown-up inside if you want we can put it that way but it's it's not just a grown-up it, it's a person who uses their thinking brain not to create stories about somebody just because they hurt my feelings, now let me claim that you're an asshole. Now, some people, they don't have the opportunity to be exposed to people. And so their belief system is actually compromised. And on that note, I'm going to do another share because this one's actually a good one. And I was going to share it with you guys anyway. So this is an anthropologist. 
and I bought his book too. I got all these books, all these courses, man. I'm going to be studying for the rest of my life. It's going to be awesome. And you guys will get to hear about it, <laughs> of course. So this person's name is Augustine Fuentes. And he says, for me, what's really amazing about belief is that biologically what we believe about the world shapes the way our bodies respond to it. Our hormones, our neurons, our muscles, the enzymes in our microbiome, in our guts actually respond to the way in which we believe the world is and how that affects us. He says, belief mind goes to when people, when people talk about belief, the mind goes to religion. But he says people don't understand that our capacity for belief is much older, that we are complex and that things like culture, history and belief systems, they enable us to live day by day without losing our minds. And he gives this random example of how if you woke up every morning, didn't know where you're going, what to wear, you would lose your mind. And here's where, remember, what's her name? Jennifer, no, not Jennifer, Julianne. When we describe those six neurons, the two for the present, the two for the past, and the two in the middle that they meet. And that way you can uh, be aware of your implicit memory stuff or ruled by it, right? But she says some stuff stays, right? So you don't learn how to crawl again and you don't have to learn to walk and all this stuff. Okay, so this is, you're hearing the same pieces of data that other people don't believe in yet because it's new data and whatever. But the point is, belief it is something that affects you and that's where the difference between a restorative embodied self and a modulated or dysregulated embodied self besides the shame cycle. And this is why, FYI, the whole hypocrisy thing, I don't use it because people can only extend their love if they don't suffer. Because most human beings sit in their suffering, that's it. That's all I have to say. So the part that is, to me, BS is a person wanting, and in this case, I'm thinking of a loved one, but they're, they always claim to be in a space. And, and I know the story, so I know the hurt even here, which is why it's not a... It's not a hypocrite. It's another person being a person. It's a sad, sad thing to me. To me, it's sad because there's an inobjectivity. And, and really what it is is, wow, you're going to ask me to consult more than once on something that is emotionally painful, but it's a relationship. And you don't actually think of your friend who lost a parent and to tell a person who knows them about this, 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 to me, is something not unusual, by the way. That's why I was saying, don't, <laughs> it's not unusual. This is not the first person and not the first act. This is very sad. And that's all I'm going to say. And there is nothing special about being in this enlightenment so age group, except for your, the more human you are, the more you are enlightening. And the more you can love without saying, I hate, I'm angry, any of these words, you know, I'll take it from a person who's starving and being, you know, put a gun on their head or something like that. Not a person who, and I know that the unresolved trauma goes big ways, but I'm just saying, if you have food on your table, you got a home, you got the actual audacity to live something that is meaning luxury, and, and then you can't actually get it together to think just one second that someone lost a column because parents are our columns today <laughs> my my mother was teasing me in a certain way and my younger sister knows how sensitive I am and 
I was laughing, but I think if I hadn't been laughing, I would have been crying. <laughs> I'm not sure about this one. It was hilarious, though, because uh, I was like, yeah, I'll share that story some other time. Back to the anthropologist. So he says, why do we believe what we believe is not as straightforward as an answer because people say, why do we believe what we believe? So he says, why do we believe what we believe? It's not a straightforward answer because it has to do with who did we grow up with? Who you grew up with, okay? He says, most people say you are what you eat. But he says, in reality, you are who you meet. We are shaped as our brains grow, as we interact. Our worlds are structured by our societal, our social, excuse me, realities, and our ecological landscapes. Those inputs shape who we are and how we see the world. So he goes on to say, and I'll repeat probably some of this, he says, the most amazing thing about belief is that it enables us to create social complexity, ideologies, traditions, and rituals, and make them real for us. He says, the problem though with this is that some of the traditions and rituals and beliefs are in conflict with other people's rituals, traditions, and beliefs. And these different beliefs, because they're so real for the people who hold them, they lead to incredible conflict. And he says, and when we think about contemporary political issues, economic issues, race and racism, sex and gender, people's beliefs are real for them. They're frequently structured by their culture, their history, but they are real. That's why when Sadhguru says, don't mistake reality for the psychological stuff, he's talking about this. But that's, that's why I like to break it down, humanly speaking, because Hearing a guru saying it in a philosophical way isn't going to be enough. Saying it with the human science, the trauma experts, it's not enough. All those people yelling about, oh, I'm a mental health advocate. If you're yelling, you're not a mental health advocate because you're creating an unsafe environment. People who are fighting each other, they're creating an unsafe environment. They're not creating an energy of love. No one's going to feel safe as long as we have these others and the them group. But luckily, we got 5D educators, man. I'm seeing them all over. I'm so happy. So he goes on to say, if you think about the world right now, there are many wars, incredible suffering, unbelievable inequity. A lot of that has to do with history, with politics and with economic structures. But it is also equally due to the beliefs, the perceptions of different groups of people about how the world is and how they want it to be. And that's the challenge for the future. He says, can we bring together science, belief, tradition, imagination and creativity in such a way that we can ensure at least a little bit more harmony? Yes. My answer is yes. And here's where the IHP content, we bring human, spiritual, and spirituality together. And the part about conversations, let me just share. I love all of my loved ones because they're all beautiful. All states of consciousness are beautiful. And I have yet to see people to be aware of the areas that they actually are not giving. Some are the ones that I have met they're still moving more towards potentially their higher potential because they have not yet accepted to move into compassion. Their mind is not yet in a complete integrated form. The integrated form means you know about your emotional stuff when it arises. You don't use it against each other. This is what it means. And so the story is relationships and friendships for people who are in the enlightenment soul age group it's forever because we do not know separation consciousness as rumi says we love with our hearts and souls 
but it isn't a philosophy. It's actually human. So if you ask me if I could save, I will save whoever I can, however I can. These absurd equations are bullshit is what I'm going to tell you. Most people that I know have never found themselves in an actual situation. If they chose it as a job, they chose it as a job. And I actually feel very sad because here's where those people that did choose it as a job, don't ask me how they're doing because I have some sad, sad ass stories there which don't make me happy. And so if any person who is suffering can get a little bit of love, I'm happy personally to provide it. And the community that will be growing is only going to be a community that embraces 5D. I've never been a person of the middle. And inspiring human potential means choosing love, that people will go and run with things. We, we, we know this already. But when you tap into an infinite higher human consciousness potential, it's only going to involve compassion because otherwise you're not in an integrated mind, which means you have not yet tapped into your quote-unquote super brain. It's not a super brain. It only takes choosing what is love. And compassion is very easy for those of us who did have the choice. As teenagers, we all begin making choices. And most people that I see didn't need to choose fear. They just chose not to be vulnerable and they chose to create some dumbass story because that's what it looks like and then to grow up and keep using their dumbass stories. The ones who actually have trauma in a way that they notice it affects them will go and get good help. This is why my content is primarily geared to anyone who's also a mystic because it involves clairs and spirituality involves a mix of things. The Smart people will know about somatics. And I say smart because your well-being is number one on the page. So if you can't tell that your suffering is destabilizing you, you're not smart. You're not stable. Now, here's where people like I will share with people that we see needing more. Hey, you know what I learned today because it's smart to share something in a way that expresses support because shaming someone isn't going to help them see anything. They're already in a defense mode. So conversation, grown-up conversations, the part about people not choosing love because their suffering is too big from their own unresolved trauma is something clear, which is why in this situation, for example, I'm not surprised at any of the individuals involved, if you will, with my attachment style friend for past and if there's future moments, but my other friend as well, the part that's really sad to me is that 14 days or more have gone by and I hadn't written my friend, which is something that I made sure to let my friend know about because it's something hard to lose your loved ones whether they're parents or not it's like with my lovely other cat I my I, my loved one is still in a space where they want consultation too people will focus on their own self so the more people we can teach by being in secure in a secure attachment relationship we can teach them that they have a safe space the more they can maybe soften. And here's how we add to humanity by supporting people to move out of their unresolved trauma. 
because they have someone to talk to. They have people who will embrace them, unconditionally love them with their flaws and imperfections. And their charge states will go away. And, and you know, this is the beauty of, of friendship. True friendship is forever. True relationships are forever. Some people, they choose not to do this. It's not good or bad. It's their choice and they do it because they have suffering. So in all cases, you know, again, the word hypocrisy, that doesn't mean much to me. But if you ask me what I think about people who say they choose love and then something like what I just described as a story happens. I mean, you didn't choose love. You're not loving. You're thinking of your own interest. This is different. If you're loving, then you would have immediately let or even mention, let's just say hypothetically, they, they don't know anything of, of my relationship with my attachment style friend, for example, because I don't want them to gossip about it because it's not nice. This is something between me and my friend. But they didn't even mention it, you know, so this is the part. It's completely something they disregard as important. And I understand why. But here's where, to me, if somebody dies and passes away, I would say on the scale of it being important, you know, versus a relationship, which I'm just so used to people, I don't even know why they don't understand that other people, if they can't bring forth a relationship, it means that they're not ready for one. There's just certain equations that's, that to me are a lot more um, grounded in reality, especially at a certain age. So I'd say that on the high scale is if somebody's parent dies, that's really important. That's really sad, especially when they're young. Um, when a boyfriend leaves you, I get it, it's, it's horrible, but, you know, uh, there's also a whole history of other stuff, so it's, it's not even something new. Everyone has their own stuff going on, so they're going to have to prioritize their own well-being, but like I said, saying, I love more, I give more, I do more, blah, 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 and then a common friend dies, and you're not even bothering to let people know about it or talk about it, I mean, you're really not in the space of, wow, my friend might need support. But like I said, it is understandable. Not everybody can be supportive because they're working through their own stuff. But that's, that's where, let's not talk about who gives more love. How about we just give love? That is the one part because silence, the right silence, when you truly do what you do, you don't have to talk about it because you just do it. That's the beauty of actions. Actions speak louder than words ever will. And consistency is what comes from the Enlightenment Soul Age group when it comes to having love. We will always try to do if we can. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But humanity can lend a hand to each other in a lot of more wonderful ways. So I hope you can support that with each other and be kind and remember that somebody always is of course, going through their own stuff, which can equate that lovely biological rudeness, me included. <laughs> this is why it's not really hypocrisy. It's just being the imperfect people we are. Sending you my love. Have a wonderful day. And we'll be back again with more soon enough.